0: This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, So today we have, over the course of the last, what, eight weeks, we've walked from the birth time and the, the craziness of that, the feelings of overwhelmed. Uh, that that time it uh, gives us, and we talked about how weird it feels when they give you that kid to take home, and you're like, I, I, "We really should talk this through before you trust me with a child." Um, through the toddler years and the, those, uh, Donna called them the golden years of when their their child they're, they're still amazed by everything, but they haven't grown an attitude yet. Last time we were talking through through child rearing, we talked about the middle school years, and I, I called those the hell years. Um, the weirdness of they're the the worst ever it's like you wake up one day and this beautiful child who you were having fun with you were going to six flags you were doing stuff with all of a sudden thinks you're the strangest thing that's ever lived they're embarrassed by you they they cry they will they can go from tears to anger on a dime (laughs) um so as you you come out of that and so i've i've I'm on my fourth going into the, the time that we're talking about now, which is the uh, the high school years. The the kids becoming more of an adult, so there there's more independence getting a car, so uh, you can send them to the store to get some milk. Um and, and usually at least sixteen to seventeen, there's not a lot of complaints there because they wanna have an excuse to drive.
1: Yeah, I mean I remember the first time that my parents like let me drive the car was you can drive to the gas station. You can put gas in the car, you can wash the car at said gas station, and you can come home. And that was about I me. Mean, I remember, like, the day I turned 16, that's what I could do. And I wish it would have gone, like, all right, here's the keys, go have fun. Uh, my track record of, of tickets and whatnot was probably. Uh, <laughs> so, wait, well, we
0: had tickets before we were 16? No,
1: no, no, But, like, my track record since like was probably. Yeah, like, my track record since was, was probably good job, mom and dad, for. Um for, for for just kinda pumping the brakes a little mm-hmm. bit early there because um Matt Matt's kinda lead foot sometimes. But now can I swap that? And Jesse says now I drive like a granddad. So There you go. Um
0: there you go. Well so so I wanna pause here for a second because i want to introduce our guest. so as everybody knows i'm pastor tom Uh, we have with us matt who is the uh, youth pastor so i figured it would be appropriate for him to be in on this discussion here at north glencoe baptist church and we brought a father now uh jeff little who is uh tell us a little
2: bit about yourself and number of kids you've reared well i have three and uh, the lord's Kind of saw fit to go girl boy girl. He gave me a break. You gotcha. Know, oh yeah. B- between the girls, because <laughs> if it had been two girls, uh, I'm not sure number three would have ever come along. <laughs> and, and, and that's not to be bad about my girls. I mean, <laughs> Tom I, didn't I, say
1: that. Tom said, I <laughs> we, we, we?"
0: Tom
2: just laid <laughs> gonna, it out there. we could
1: huh? gonna, gonna keep spinning this thing. No, <laughs> Amy.
0: No, whammy, No, way. No <laughs> and I got I got whammy four times. <laughs> I
2: mean, girls are precious and 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 they're wonderful. But you talk about those middle school years of where, you know, here was my sweet little girl and we had Six Flags, or I think is what you said. And, and then they wake up one morning and they don't like you, you know, and they don't like anybody.
0: And uh, we, we, oh, gosh, we've had times in our house where it's like, hey, so how'd your day go? Why do you always have to say the same question? No. It's like, because every day it's a new day. What what are we doing here? No. <laughs> what has happened? Oh, like, everybody stopped. Stop. So you you've three kids, mm-hmm. um, and what are their names? Bailey, Brock, and Bria. Bailey, Brock, and Bria. What are their ages now?
2: Well, Bailey just had a birthday; she uh, just turned twenty-nine. Brock is now twenty-five, and Bria is dead square on twenty.
0: There you go. So you're out of the teenagers. I cannot tell you how excited I am, <laughs> Ann and I figured up it, it, he has a little calendar that he just like yeah,
1: scratches like, the days off
0: it's check. actually it's like a it's like a cement like brick
1: wall like prison like a, you just you it just marking
0: all so my oldest is twenty three and let's see Ruthie is twelve, so I will be I've got eight more years in Oof. eight more when it's all said and done, I think we figured out at one point that it's around thirty years that we'll have a teenage girl in my home um okay, so What we normally have done with each age group is first taken the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's take the good first. Mm -hmm. During the high school years, what are some of the good stuff?
2: Mm. I mean, there's a ton of good stuff. I mean, because, as you said, you're seeing them grow from a child to a teenager, which is not far from adulthood. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, that's one thing I I would tell parents is, is teenagers, a lot of times they're in adult bodies. But they still have a childlike mind, and, and that's tough because they they want to do the things that older people do, teenage, you know, like old, in the twenties and things like that. But they're they're not allowed to. Right. And, and a lot of times they're not emotionally <laughs> ready to.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and, yeah. And, I read recently that a male, I think it's the Abdullah oblongata, is not complete completed growing until twenty five. Yeah, yeah. And so your brain is still growing up until
2: twenty. Well, my mother-in-law, Marcy, who uh, I love to death, but she and, and she gives some really great parenting advice. If I'd have just listened to her, but like most things, I don't listen. Is you know she would tell us we'd be complaining about something and she'd just shake her head and say, well, their brains aren't developed yet. It doesn't (laughs) happen until they get in their twenties. And I'm like,
0: no, they're supposed to know now. Yeah. Or we're getting into the bad. So we're still, still
2: in the good. Okay. So the good, you, you do get to see them and there is a ton of good. There is a ton of good. You do get to see them grow and, and you get to see them excel in things. Uh, You know, all three of my kids were, were very active in athletics um, Bailey, especially when she was growing up, did the gymnastics thing. And, and she and Alexa, her best friend, they, they went to state meets. And, Lord, we traveled from, you know, all over the place doing gymnastics. And, it, and it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch them. Uh, it's fun to see experience in that. Um, it, it, it is, I will say, as a teenager, all of a
0: sudden, the sports you have to go to get fun. Yeah. Because when they're kids and they're all mobbing around the soccer ball, <laughs> th- there have been many times when I've sat there and prayed for, can we please lose so we can get out of this tournament well, and go you know, home? if
2: you think about it, back in, in like Little League or T-ball and stuff, you go, why are we playing nine innings? Why don't we just play two and go <laughs> everybody, ahead and everybody, – get, everybody, everybody gets to hit twice and let's go to the yeah, house. And let's <laughs> get into the house. And let's get our free drink, it's, you know, yeah. our free coke from Rich Chick Shack oh, and the, move on. The, you know? the thing
0: about youth athletics is nothing is free. No, no, <laughs> no. No, well,
1: as, and as for someone like I don't have any kids, and uh, and I'm not even married. Uh, let's just be straight. You are I, still a youth. Yeah, You're, I'm, sti- I'm still <laughs> a youth. And so that's kind of what, like when looking at this was a I, I do minister to students uh, each and every day, but that also coming from like um, the mindset of yeah I was there five, six years ago yeah. and it's still, and yes, the culture is different. Yes. How they act is, is different. I mean, it's culture is, culture is, is constantly changing, but just four or five, six years ago of being in the dealing with the parents and stuff like that, I think in, this is kind of like a, a middle ground between the good and the bad. At least for me, part of what I felt like was one of the good things about being a teenager is yes, the, the little bit of independence that you get where you get a little, like my parents gave me the keys and I yeah. felt like I had the keys. I mean, they gave me the keys to the truck and I felt like I had the keys to the world. Sure. And and that's kind of like, that's kind of cool because you, I mean, yeah, you feel good. You feel grown up, you feel independent and that's good to have because you get to learn with those things. But also like the times where I would fail and not not immediately would understand, but seeing like maybe down the road of at 18, something that I did stupid at 16 is like, okay, I can kind of see that, that was dumb. That was really dumb. Yeah. And I, and I, I can, so I could definitely see like for my parents being able to see, okay, Hey, he's, he's learning. Not all, he's, he's, he's failing and he's being yeah. stupid as I mean, as teenagers sure, are, sure. you're being stupid, but at the same time, as they grow, as they develop, they're learning. And it was also really funny to me that as growing as a teenager, I would look at, like, my younger sister or even my older brother's like, Phew, yeah, that was dumb. You were stupid. No. And so it's right. like, it, was, it was like, oh, well, now I, well, now I, now I know what stupid is well, that, because I'm also stupid.
2: Well, and I think one of the toughest things is, like Tom said, when they first give you that first child, you know. There's not a parent alive that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And any parent that says, I've got this on their number one, you are lying to yourself because you don't (laughs) have this. Okay. And it's really kind of hard for that first one because you're learning how to parent. And they're kind of your guinea pig. Right. Because I, I can tell you, Brock and, ba- and Bria both have kind of their whole life set back and said, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, that, and that's tough on the, oldest, on the oldest child when you have multiple children in, in the family. You know. Yes. But but our tendency as a parent is when they're small, they fall off the tricycle, they skin their knee, you know, you kind of dust it off and make them stop crying and you put them back on the tricycle. Well, when they get to be teenagers, we have that same tendency. We want to right. make it better. Yeah. And sometimes you just can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they've got to just get right. through
0: it. And I think that reasoning skill is one of the good things. I can remember with each one of my child children a specific moment when I realized we were just having a conversation like companions in, you know, maybe it's riding in the car, maybe yes. it's sitting around the house, and we're just talking and it's like there's this feeling of accomplishment hey i made a real human being
1: well it became so much <laughs> less about teetering both ends of the of the cliff here of emotions of everything is like the sky is falling to i hate everyone everyone sucks and all the other end of I love every I love everybody everybody I, I need to, I, like this is my they're, forever they're all my best like, friends they're all they're all my best friends the per, the first person I date oh I'm that they're the one they're them I'm married and it's like maybe possibly like statistically it's possible it's not likely yeah it's probably mm-hmm. not gonna happen probably not you're sixteen like but, probably not but uh, figure that out where we go from all the different ends of the compass on the emotion scale to. Yeah, let's just we're just talking.
2: Yeah, but Matt, to, to that point, see, we're we're adults. Yeah, or, or we're supposed to be. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure. Sometimes we still act like, but we can look at it. I know as a parent, when my three were coming up, mm-hmm. and something would happen in those teenage years. Well, to them, it was huge. It was big, and I was looking at it like, you got to be kidding me, right? Right, you're yeah. going to get stressed out over that. But what you have to look to realize is, to them. It is huge. It is huge. Yeah. And and I think one of the problems I had was having any type sympathy towards something that I felt was just like, well, that's
0: stupid. But it, isn't that kind of the the father's role? To some degree, the mother is the comforter, the nurturer, the dad's supposed to be. Put some mud on it move on. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, suck it up, buttercup. It's time to go. <laughs> we got to go.
2: Yeah, but you got to understand. I married a Leslie. He used to tell the kids, hey, quit crying. It'll feel better when it quits hurting. There
0: okay. you go. Bam. <laughs> So, so part of the good is they're developing reasoning skills. They're becoming their own person. Yeah. You can start to see personality, and you you've already seen that to some degree. But now that 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 shell of personality and who they are is starting to get flavor. Well, and from a faith standpoint, I think one of the, uh, an awesome
1: thing that I see develop even like in doing ministry from. Which is they're not my they're not my kids, but they are kids that I love and that I minister sure. to. And so to see them develop spiritually from a middle schooler who again is just teetering the edge of all reality here to in high school, it's like now I can now in, an also, in a ministry that's done well, and you have good leaders. You now can have high schoolers who are who know what they know spiritually, and what I mean by that is like they know what they believe, why they believe it, and they live that out, and then start to develop that, and and them flesh out and live what it means to be a believer in their schools, in their homes, in their life, and so then mix with that logic and reasoning, you can see them spiritually develop to look and say, Hey, this is not the end of the world. Like you said to a middle school, like, Hey, this is not the end. Or even to someone who's still their age, like seeing them again, grow and develop even spiritually to where they know what they believe. They know why they believe it. And it means something to them rather than it's no, it's not the faith of my mom and my dad or my grandmama or granddaddy or whoever. It's now my faith because I know who Jesus is. And that's a It's a big shift. Like, I think it's a massive point in students' lives of when it goes from everybody else's faith that I'm just lumped into – to, okay, this is the faith that this is the rock that I'm going to stand on because this is who Jesus is to me. And as a minister, being able to help form what that belief yeah. is, not that it's anything that I do, but kind of help them sure. sort through what that's going to look like for them and how that a- a- affects and applies to them in their own personal walk. That's something right. that's really cool from a, a youth minister standpoint is to see that develop and transform a, a student's life.
0: And I think a, a lot of believers that I've talked to talked have talked to me about a crisis of faith that they had at 13, 14, when they consciously said, Okay, am I just buying that, believing this because that's what mom and dad said? Yeah. And they make a conscious cycle through. They go, Okay, no, this is my thing. This Mm -hmm. is what I'm going to believe. Yeah. Okay, so that's the good. Some of the bad, I mean, immediately what comes to mind is everything with a teenager seems to be in extremes. Mm -hmm. So we, we, if kids, uh, William and athletics, would take uh i remember he w- went on a cut and so he's like well i'm not going to drink anything for like two days and i'm like son that's called death you can't <laughs> and you know he's got posters up in his wall give it all you've got and he's i'm like yeah but not drinking anything for two days is not <laughs> and you 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 deal with the kids who just are stupid they go out and they just get absolutely throw up drunk because it's the first couple of times they've experienced alcohol and they just take it to. Way over here to yeah. extremes. or And everything seems to be all or nothing. Everything seems to be black or white. There's no concept of nuance. Either, you know, I see the guys, uh, th- while I was voting, there was some teenage kid that was driving up and down the road with the Trump... Uh, uh, Flag. Make America Great Flag, the American flag, and he had this country song, but blaring as he drove up and down. Couldn't come in the bullet, the polling place, but but he was going to take you to that outer he, edge. He was going to take you to the outer <laughs> edge, and at the same time, you know, I have heard some of our teenagers here in the church saying things like, "How could you? How could you vote for Trump? Because he's, he he's like a rapist, and he's a blah blah blah, and they they all everything that they've seen on it, and, and everything's black and white. There is no nuanced concept. So that's one of the bad things, and it's hard to help a kid through that because everything seems to need a category. Yeah. So that's
2: one of the ugly. What's some of the
0: other ugly, well, well, the bad and
2: know, ugly? On that, and I think it's, you know, you always hear, well, it's different this time or it's it's harder in this generation. I will say, I think social media makes things even more extreme for teenagers now. Sure. Because, you know, used to, like, when I was in school, you could say something about somebody and, you know, he may have told his buddy but it wasn't on Instagram and Twitter right. and Facebook forever. Forever.
0: Yeah, you yeah. make a mistake, and it's one of the things in today's world is, I, and I thank God that there was not Instagram oh. when I was stupid and 16.
2: I, I thank God there wasn't videos on cameras on your phone. When I was, I, I, I think God that we. Well, didn't Well, when have you phones.
0: were a teenager, there weren't video cameras yet, right? <laughs>
2: well, no, I'm not sure there was phones. <laughs> they were the big. Yeah. They were the big. Yeah, you <laughs> carried them on your shoulder. <laughs> and your jam. Six. Your, your jam box on one shoulder and your video camera on the other. Yeah. It had like a VHS yeah. tape in it. Yeah, Thanks, Tom. <laughs> but
1: I, I think I think something else that kind of goes with the social media is, and this is a very, uh, goodness, this is a very, um, kind of a new thing. The whole the whole bullying thing, which again can there's there's, there's a fine line. There, there's a. There's I'm a trying to. I was trying to say that very nicely. There's a fine saying, line. I'm saying there is definitely inappropriate cross the line bullying that happens in school, and social Absolutely. media plays a huge, huge uh part in that. Well, it eggs it on. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. and it's right there in your face in ways that it wasn't in you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. But then there's also still the hey, I, you know. I pick on this guy because, oh, you're little, but then, you know, he calls me big boy or whatever. Like, okay, I'm not bullying you and he's not bullying me. Like, we're just, we're just joshing. Yeah, we're just messing yeah. around. Like and, and so like and especially when he picks on me, I mess with him. It, it's it's that, That's just com- almost to me, that's always just like being camaraderie. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just how me and my – that's how sometimes we communicate. And to each person's different. And if you're a person that can't handle that kind of stuff, then that's okay. Set those ground rules. You don't do it. And if people do it to you, that's, that's your prerogative. That's on you. Um, that that's, that's your guidelines and whatever. But I do think that that's an aspect of the bullying and cyberbullying thing that with teenagers and even in a little bit middle school, but it just seems so heightened in those few years that again, it's just when we look at, when we might look at something like, Hey, in real life, this is not that big of a deal, but on social media man, in cancel culture, this is just the worst. And it just seems like those comment sections get so um, intense and hostile and just they there, honestly, people that if you confront them in person, probably wouldn't, they'd probably back down real easy, but you get behind the phone and it is crazy. The amount of gusto people get in order to put
0: others down from behind yeah, well, phone.
2: everybody's 10 feet tall and bulletproof yeah. behind the keyboard for sure. You know, so,
0: so through, since, you know, Adam and Eve had teenagers, there's always been that jockeying for position. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. as teenagers when when i was a teenager it was where you sat at the lunchroom table it was who were the cool kids who and and, and it's still that way it's just now magnified and feels bigger because yeah. the entire earth can watch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it if a person makes a big enough scene, then maybe a couple of million people will look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's not uncommon at all for my kids to say, hey, look at what this kid did. You know, and I'm watching some kid in a lunchroom in Des Moines, Iowa. That was unheard of 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, I, mean, you, I can watch I can watch a lunchroom fistfight from anywhere. I mean no. like that happened anywhere that day like you could see those kind of things go down and not condoning those things obviously but to how again in the culture that we have where everything is streamed in your face immediately it's it's changed things it has
2: Well it's not only changed things but you know at the rate of you know probably getting 15 phone calls and no telling how many comments about this cod, uh, podcast We've also became way too sensitive. Yeah. Okay. As a, as a, as a culture, we've become way too sensitive and as parents, you know, for all the parents that are listening, don't be so sensitive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because what's going to happen is your, is your teenager that, you know, has grown from a, from a toddler to a Mm -hmm. child, to a, to a teenage youth, to a teenager, they're not going to be able to handle adulthood. Right. Uh, they're, they're just not going to be able to yeah, handle it. If
1: you it. protect them yeah. from every punch, then when they are providing for their family as a man or being the mom of kids or right. mom being the mom of kids and working and all of those things, if you, pro- if you protect them from every punch, then them as adults, how are we going to be able to roll with the punches? They're how not. are we going to be? And we
0: can't, They're we not. can't. And so you've got everything, the extremes of, which is leading us to our next subject, which is even in this time frame. You cannot abdicate your role as parent. Mm -hmm. They're beginning to become friends. They're beginning to become people that you can have a conversation with, but you're still the parent. So you've got that on one hand, and on the other hand, you've got that helicopter parent. I mean, I've heard stories of parents that show up to a person who's a college graduate, show up to their interview with them. Now, guaranteed, that kid's not going to get hired. No. No
1: no way. Um, if your mom's a reference on your on your resume, it's not going to Yeah,
0: that's not going to go well. Not going to happen. So <laughs> you've got these two extremes of the, the parent who... And we all could probably assign names to this. That helicopter parent who, (laughs) you know, the mom is calling the coach, and their son's in eleventh grade, and you know he he, he was treated mean in the locker room, and down to the other side, that parent whose kid is running around doing whatever he wants to do, and mom and dad are just big chilling and whatever. Mom and dad don't care. Yeah, yeah. And so, totally absent. Both of those extremes are unhealthy. In fact, Paul deals with that when he says, in talking about raising children, he says, to honor our father and mother, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. So you've got both of those extremes being given there. So on the one hand, don't be hovering over them that you're you're not letting them become adults. You're provoking them to anger. You're, hey, you need to be in this house by 8 o'clock at night. How dare you, blah, 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 blah but also you need to be re- bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord you've got to That's still be the parent right and so let's talk a little bit about how to how the parents who are watching this can achieve that balance and again you're you're this is the high school years as your child is moving from being a child that you literally had to put food in their mouth and say, eat this, to now they're driving on their own. They're, you're, you're having to trust them to go out. How, how do we continue to be parenting? We're not abdicating the parental role. We're not saying, all right, there's Big Wide World. You're 14 now. So <laughs> have a blast. Have a blast. Good luck. So how, how, do we, how do we balance that? What are some of the ground rules we set?
2: I think the first thing, you know, Matt, you were talking about when uh, a youth, you know, takes their faith for their own mm-hmm. and they, you know, they go, OK, this is not because mom and dad just took me to church all the time. All right. Yeah. And Tom, you and I have talked about this, about how among the, the younger generation and it's, you know, it's not just a local issue. It's it's a it's a whole country issue, a whole worldwide issue that we're losing a generation of people who want to attend church, people who want to have a relationship with the Lord, and so you ask yourself, why? You know, why? Why is that? And one thing I would tell parents about, especially that that difference between being a helicopter parent and just you know saying, here, here you go, is you've got to invest time in your child. Mm. Okay, there is nothing and underline that put in red neon flashing lights there is no substitute for time none and sometimes that time is letting them just talk to you and, and you know you know you're, you're not really in the mood to sit there and listen to them talk to you you have had a tough day yourself you know you right. really just want to sit down and chill but them knowing that you were there i, I think is is huge and knowing that they can count on you not to bail them out of trouble, not to, you know, make excuses for them, but know that you're, you're there for them if, if things get hard. The other thing is they're going to watch you. They're going to watch everything you do. Now, it has amazed me. Um, you know, right now we get to see Carter, uh, our oldest grandchild, uh, quite a bit. And it amazes me how he will mimic things that I do. He's two years old. Mm-hmm. Right. And he'll mimic <clears throat> things that James, his dad does. Now, don't think that's any different when they get to be high schoolers. Yeah, right. If they see you react to something some way, they're going to think it's fine for them to react that way. So you've got to be an example for them.
1: And, it's, and I, think, I think part of that is kind of, again, a balance of, being a helicopter parent and just letting them go do whatever they want to is that whole being real with them. And what I mean by that is, okay, so the parents are supposed to see the kid at their worst, like that's how it works. My mom and dad are supposed to know yeah. how bad I am, all all what I'm, my sin tendencies are, all the 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 bad things that I do, all the trouble that I've got in. That, that's how it's supposed to work. But when that's flipped. And when a high schooler or a or a, a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old, eighteen year old see the mom and dad screw up, I think part of that is is using that as, hey, yes, I'm the parent. Yes, that is the role that I hold that is going to be respected in this house. But man, I but remember But remember, but remember Matt,
2: respect is not demanded. Respect is earned. And I think right?
1: part of that is doing this of saying, Hey, you know what? I messed up. Yeah. I, I think a biggest issue that I see with students is, I man, my, my parents just come and talk to me and they, they, like, they don't do anything wrong that I'm always the one doing stuff wrong. And you know day, I think just, uh, just again. Now,
2: is that the parent that they, they're, they're telling the teacher they, no, that's like, that's they like, do that's anything wrong? Right? <laughs> that's,
1: that's like the student communicating. And like, they ha- again, you have this persona, well, you know, mom and dad are untouchable kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's just like, that's just ingrained in you. And to see where mom and dad mess up and then they own that and, and repent of that and, and do that and walk through that biblically for your kids to see you do that, I think says a lot about seeing their faith, seeing your parents' faith lived out in their life and seeing what it looks like to mess up in the world because you're going to, like that's inevitable. And to see anybody's parents do that, where your kids are also going to see the worst in you because yeah. you're around them all the time. And right. So for you to like, to embrace that and say, Hey, you know what, son, daughter, this, this is what I did. And I, I, I messed this up. I completely own it, oh. and this is how we. And this is this is how we're gonna we're gonna make sure it doesn't happen again. And I'm sorry. If, and if it's towards that individual or like daughter or son, like I'm sorry that I did this to you, or that I'm sorry you saw me screw up like this. And I'm gonna work, I'm gonna make sure that it doesn't happen again. Right. And I think just being real, and again not being so real that oh that's my buddy buddy, but being a real parent and communicating with your parents. Hey, you know what? I'm not untouchable. I mess up too. And, and walking through that, I think says a lot to your high schooler.
2: Well. And, and I think one thing that's that's to me, I'm gonna go back to spending the time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be the first one to admit that it, raising our three children, I was pushover mush when it came to the girls. You know, what I mean, <laughs> they, they they were daddy's girls, so, okay. Uh, but Leslie was it is tough, how it's supposed to be. But Leslie was tough is. as nails on them. Well, then I, I, I stink at it. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> there was times I would look at Leslie and I'd be like. Really, I mean, you know, kind of ease up a little bit, you know. And she was just like hammer down, you know. <laughs> and, and then I was the one that was tough on Brock. I've yeah. always said, you know, with with Leslie, Brock could have robbed a bank, shot three people, and then she'd have said, "Well, he was going to pay the money back." And those people walked in front of those bullets. He didn't, you know. <laughs> and and you know, I'm the one that was hammering. You know, down. Leslie's going to see this. Well, right? that's fine, but she knows it's the truth. Um, but but honestly. The time, and and I'm going to speak a little bit to fathers with sons, and I'm going to speak really to to dads that have sons. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not uh, diminishing the role that that a dad has in a daughter's life. That is hugely important. But if you have a son, you need to be spending time with them. Yeah. Because one of the things that I personally see is that we're really doing a horrible job of being dads. Dads are almost like a lot of times absent. And I know we have a lot of work-related time away from home mm-hmm. and, and everything else. But that time that you get to spend with your son from the time they're, I'm going to say about 12, till they graduate high school is some of the most cherished moments you can ever have in your life. And
0: that's okay, where Alexis. I need you to run. Cats in the cradle. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in in the background spin. here, <laughs> no dog. But but that's where your son gets to know you. Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's where they get to know you. But that's also where you get to influence their manhood.
1: Yeah. Well, if you have your son who treats a, who treats a little girl that he's dating in a bad way. That's a reflection on you. That's a reflection on you. And again, that that better only happen once kind yeah. of thing, you know, because like it, it better not be because you ain't. And again, that's a big thing. It, yeah. A lot of it, as we talked about, it's the imitation of what they see. And so if your marriage life at home or whatever is problematic or there's a lot of conflict there or worst case scenario, there's. I, I, you don't want to sue, but abuse or, or verbal, physical, all of those things, if that's something that you're reflecting at home as a man, then don't expect anything different out of your son. Well, on,
0: on the flip- And that's going to be that kid's normal. Yeah, for sure.
2: And on the flip side of that, you know, dads are always saying, you know, I want my, my my baby girl to marry somebody to treat her like a princess. Okay, really? How are you treating her mom? Exactly. You know, how are you treating yeah. her? Because... Your baby girl's probably not seeing that being treated as a princess. If you got to live it out. But going back to the sun for a minute, uh, uh, blessed—not the word. Brock and I got to do some of the most, you know, really cool things uh, when he and got to go on some really cool trips of sporting events and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But Alabama football games were our deal. That was my Brock's deal. And that two-hour drive to Tuscaloosa, you know, going to the game and then the drive back, I, I can't tell you the bonding that, that happens. And it doesn't have to be football games. It could be hunting. It can be fishing. It can be music, you know, whatever it is. But find that common interest that you have and spend time with them because you're going to get to know them. They're going to get to know you. But you have to keep that gap between I'm the dad and you're the son. Absolutely.
0: And so there, there has to be a balance there. But, but it, uh, you know, we said when we were talking about the, the children, Tom, take the time to enjoy that, that phase of life. Yeah. Because a lot of times what happens in that child when, when your kids are kids is you're so busy making sure they don't die that and And making sure that they're fed and making sure that the, that there's money to pay for the house and everything that you miss just enjoying that time it's a very precious mm-hmm. time. The same thing is applicable when they're they're teenagers mm-hmm. I mean, some of my fondest memories of of my kids were uh, you know you alluded to this when we were talking about bullying, but men's love language typically is sarcasm, yeah, and um I remember William being 13, 14 years old and us doing something and me smarting off to him and him having this look of shock on his face like, hey, my dad does that just like everybody else in the locker room. He's yeah. a normal person. He's a normal human being. <laughs> and so it, it is important to spend time and find those common grounds. And I will say, as William is now growing, in, he's in college and he – he uh is is gone more. I'm I'm already missing that with with him. Yeah. And with Absolutely. girls, you can't you need to do the same thing. It's gonna be different for girls, but with uh, you know, when they're k- kids, your daughters, you can do things like the daddy-daughter dance. Uh, I always tried with each one of my girls to periodically, uh, when they were young, to take them on dates so they would know wh- how a, a man was supposed to yeah, treat Yeah, I mean, them. you should
1: never have your daughter as, as a father or as just a parent in general. Like, your daughter should
0: never have any question. Well, I wonder how I should be treated. That shouldn't be a thing. No, it should not that be. shouldn't even be a question. Right. So, when yeah. they get to the teenage years, well, first of all, when they hit the middle school years, all of a sudden, that's not cool anymore going to the daddy daughter dance and doing the (laughs) electric slide uh, no we're not we're not doing that um so you've got to find other places and so one of the things that i've done with my daughters in these teenage years is i never wanted them to be the uh in any area but i didn't want them to be the the helpless woman and so we would take a saturday and i would teach uh that daughter how to change the oil in the car I would teach them how to change the spark plugs in a car, how to change a tire, how to check your air pressure. Um, I, I remember that um, I, I tried to teach Molly what all the fluids were, and then not too long ago, um, I checked the oil in her car and it, it like had none, and and she, I'm like, why aren't you checking the oil? I showed you how to do this. And she's like, well, I'm supposed to do that all the time? <laughs> I'm like, uh, 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 we've had this conversation! But you, time it, it is super important. That's how you're going to invest. And if, if you take the time to spend time, you'll learn that this, is, this mm-hmm. is the time when all those things that we said are the good. They can reason now. You can actually hold a conversation with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. They're going to respectfully disagree with you so that you can talk about things. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be, so, Daddy, why is the sky blue? And you answer them, and they go, "Oh, okay, so the sky's blue because God crayoned it." And now they're going to say, "No, it's not. That's something about light diffraction." And
2: and you can have these kind of dis- kind of discussions. Well, and when you're spending that time with them, it'll amaze you how many subjects they'll bring up. Oh, absolutely. You know, if they've got something really bothering them, and it's that two hour drive to Tuscaloosa, or you're you know you're out there teaching them how to change the oil in the car, which I think it's awesome that that you take, but they'll go, hey, dad, what about this? Yeah. And you go, well, now where did that come from? You know, I didn't know that was on your mind. And it's good.
0: It it is very good. And so we've got to remember that at this phase, first of all, the work had, had better be done. All the stuff that we talked about, about discipline and, and, making sure that your kids learn to obey. Now you're starting to reap the benefits of that. So don't ignore it, but you're still, as a parent, your job now is to set them up for success. And their natural tendencies, just like when they were little bitty, are going to be to to rebel because the human heart wants to do what it wants to do, and it's going to constantly build idols. But now you can't just yank them up by the arm and spank them. You can't... you, you. as we talked about in the middle school years, you have to find those pressure points, but um, you've got to set them up for success. And now that's going to look a lot more like self-discipline. Self, you know what? If you want to make all C's your junior year, that's fine. That's that's your option. But don't come looking to me for a check when you're look, when you don't, can't get scholarship money to go to college.
2: Yeah,
0: that there are consequences to those actions. And so, how are ways that in this phase? beyond teaching them the standard self-discipline things that we can set these kids up for success.
2: Tom, I think the most important thing that you said right there was setting them up for success. It is not a parent's responsibility to guarantee their child's success. Okay? It's statistically impossible. Well, it's also unhealthy. Yeah. You know, uh, when you try to do everything for your child, they don't learn how to do anything for themselves. And understand as a parent it you know look we all love our kids we all think they're the greatest things since sliced bread uh all my kids were the you know the greatest at girls basketball or the greatest on the football field because they were mine yeah. you know and that's supposed to be that way and that's okay that they're your favorite yeah they're but, supposed to be but news newsflash they're probably not as good as you think they are okay <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna go ahead and throw that out there okay and and parents, we can't make excuses for our children. If they fail, and they're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to fall. Let them feel the sting of that fall right. every once in a while. Don't, don't try to make everything better for them. Don't try to make excuses for them. You know, sometimes the best lessons you'll ever learn in your life is when you fall flat on your face. Let them fall occasionally. It's not going to kill them.
1: Well, and everything about the whole parenting thing, like, you, and we've talked about, it, it comes in the stages. And so, if we think, if we're looking to the future, and you're thinking about what parenting in the high school is going to set them up for, it's the real world is tough, and it's going to hit you like an absolute train. And so, like we talked about a second ago, if if we block and protect and shade them from every punch that's going to be thrown their thrown their way, then what are you teaching them? Like, it's going to be yes failure is going to be tough no matter what. But if you've blocked every punch and then as soon as you send them to wherever if you let them go to wherever in terms of college or whatever um, then it's going to be absolutely world-changing it's when be they fail. Like it's yeah. going to like it's they'll drop out, they'll do they'll turn to who knows what. I mean, like seeing that taste of failure is so that we can correct ourselves to know, hey, this is not what it is. This is not how we do things. This is not how how life works. And and so changing to where you know again you let them taste failure a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you you give them something to do, not necessarily setting them up. But if they fail, this is how we'll teach them. This right. is how this is how we uh, this is how we're going to move on from this. So that when they fail as an adult or as a college student in that next stage of life, they could pick themselves up and say, okay. Mom and Dad said this, and this is last time. Because that's how I think. It's okay. Well, last time I failed, or, or this is how I've done before. Like I'm very like thing, thing like this. I'm gonna do this thing, and then there's this like very like, left or right kind of. That's just kind of how my brain works. And so if I can revert back to something I've done before, or how I've handled things before, I can I can make it. I can make it through things. And I think that's how a lot of students think, and a lot of high schoolers think is well, if I've if I can remember doing something like this before. I can I can probably make it. I can probably do this kind of
2: thing. Well, and and I look back on, on my parent, you know, my parenting years. You know, that sounds like some official title or something. But well, you're old now, so yeah, <laughs> the crap, um You're a pawpaw. I am. I'm proud to be proud to be. But <laughs> you know, one of the things being that I have been there, done that, got the t-shirt is you know I love sports. Everybody knows I love sports. My kids played sports. You know is don't live your life through your child. Yeah, that was oh, actually yeah. the next you know, thing. Don't, don't oh, live your goodness. life through your child. Defining
0: success can't, can't be you looking for what would have made you cool, hip, and excited yeah. and then trying to push your kid to being that.
1: Because let me just tell you, from a peer aspect, looking at students whose parents do that, Yeah. It is not. It is not something that, that's not. That's not the kid that I look like. I. Right, that's well, well, Matt, that's you know, a cool you, cat.
2: You coach. Yeah. You know, and we're glad to have Matt coach. And and I've coached some in my in my life. And we all want our kids to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want our kids to excel or, or to do whatever. But you can make that your guide. If you're, oh, that, if you're, if you're not, if you're that not careful, can be the idol for yeah. sure. And, and I'm not talking about the kid making it their guy. Oh yeah. I'm talking about the parent uh-huh. making it their god. Okay. And sometimes God has a real, uh, weird way of waking you up. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, um, going into Brock's senior year of football. Okay, I mean, this is it. This is the crescendo. I mean, we're, we're going there. He and Bailey got a chance to go to Italy with uh, the school, with Glencoe High School. And uh, on the way over there, he develops this elongated swelling in his neck and it stayed over there the whole time. They didn't know what it was. And so we get him, you know, they come back from Italy and we go to the doctor and, you know, they send him over to the hospital for an ultrasound and we call to say, hey, did you get the results? And they go, yeah, you need to come back in. Mm. uh, Nobody wants to hear that. No, no. and we walk in the doctor's office, and the doctor looks me dead square in the eye and said, "Mr. Love, uh, I'm afraid that your son may have lymphoma." Well, the if you've got any air in your lungs, it's gone. Sure. Okay. And the only prayer that I could utter at that moment was, "Dear Lord, please don't, you know, punish the son for the sins of the father." You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, at this point, I'm bargaining. Okay. Oh, absolutely. You reach that bargaining stage, right? Well, you know, praise the Lord. Three, two, three days later at Children's Hospital, it, it turned out to be nothing. They drained it. He, he was fine, okay? And that was on July the 3rd. I'll, I'll, I remember it like it was yesterday. And on July the 4th, he comes, he comes up. I'm down there piddling on the car or the boat or something. And he said, hey, Dad, can Chance and I have a few dollars for some fireworks? They love to shoot fireworks. And I said, yeah, come on in. I'll give you a few bucks for it. And when he walked in for me to give him the money, I just broke down crying. I mean, honestly, and he's like, he's looking at me like, what's, our, what's wrong with you, Dad? Daddy, you know, we, you know, you know yes, you have a just a, breakdown. Yeah. a
1: few bucks for fireworks. Yeah, I know right. we were that broke. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I
2: remember I looked at him and I said, son, I'm sorry. I've pushed you in all the wrong things. Mm. I don't care if you ever put on another football helmet. I don't care if you ever dribble another basketball. The rest of our life is gravy, you know? Well, he goes through a senior great year, and um Coach called me, Week or so after the season was over, he said, "Hey, want to stop by the office for something for a second? I've got you something." And so I walk in there, and, and he gave me a little something. I said, "What's this for?" He said, "Well, it's just a reminder." He said, "Because Brock had the best season he's ever had." I said, "Well, thank you." He said, "You want to know why?" I said, mm, "Got a feeling you're going to tell me anyway." He said, "Because he quit playing for you, mm. and he started playing for himself." So, keep the main thing important what you may think is the main thing is sometimes not the main thing to them. Yeah, they need a dad. They don't they don't need a friend. Right. Okay. They got plenty of those. They got plenty of those and they don't need an excuse maker. Mm-hmm. They they need a they need a daddy. They need somebody that's going to lower the hammer when the hammer needs lo- uh, needs to be swung, mm-hmm. but they need somebody to love up on them when when things go tough at times. Being a dad is not just about, you know, throwing down the gauntlet all the time, a lot of times it's about being there for them when they they need you as well. But the other thing that I would say is parents, please realize your child is not perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay? My kids were not perfect. I wasn't perfect. Were you perfect, Tom?
0: No. Are you
2: sure Frank didn't think you were perfect? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay, Matt, were you perfect? No, not at all. Okay. But it it seems to me, and and, and I'll, I'll let you two chime in on this, but are we now living in a time when all parents' children are perfect? Yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, if you listen to the coaches and the teachers around this here, every child is perfect you know, according to their parents. No, I was say, via, yeah, their parents. Via their parents, they're, via their the, parents coaches are perfect. Te- the coaches yeah. and
0: teachers would have a very would have a very different opinion. Exactly. So I, I think that we come back to in that, and and I've I've had experiences where there's kids who were high school seniors get in trouble with law enforcement and the parents show up yelling at the police chief because you've harassed my baby and huh. I, I i'm ha- i have a hard time gee hawing that in
2: my mind i can i can see frank going in talking if you got in trouble with the police
0: yes uh frank frank would not have brought it up with the police in fact the police may have been called to my house because <laughs> there was a young child who had been skinned let me just say if, if
2: i had ever been arrested I would have begged them to let me stay in jail yeah. because going home to Jay Little would not whatever have been Whatever I need to option. do. Whatever I need to do. <laughs> so Harrison that Frank
0: Harrison never knows this happened. <laughs> Frank would have brought the paperwork to say, hey, you know what? Y'all, y'all take him. I'll oh, go ahead. He, I'd have been begging to stay. I don't want to go home with him. He, he, he told me several times if you ever go to jail, don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> So, but if we, if we have to be careful how we define success, because if in our mind, success is going to be my child's a millionaire, he's a doctor, he's, he's all these things, then because that's what you defined as success, then you're setting your child up for failure. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And, and there, you know what, there, some of, some of our children, uh, they're best equipped to be a welder. Some of our children are best equipped to be an electrician. They, they may not need to go to college.
2: By the way, they, those professions pay pretty well now. Oh yeah, they're paying
0: really well at this point. Um, and there's not a hundred thousand dollars worth of college debt. So. No,
2: no. But
0: if your definition of success doesn't include a walk with Christ, you're failing as a parent. Absolutely, absolutely. If your definition of success is they're uh, a contributing member of society, they they are doing a good job. They they, they have a wife. They have three one you know two point four kids. And <laughs> cheap they,
2: dog in a station wagon. It's cheap
0: dog in a station wagon, and they they drive a nice car. If that's your definition of success, and you're not doing everything in your power to make sure that they have a relationship with christ even in these high school years again it looks different you can't set them in your lap and read from the jesus story with the little red dog in it anymore yeah. but you still are still parenting and it, it bothers me when i hear parents say well um little johnny didn't want to come to church and he he just wasn't feeling it he today. had a lot i mean he he did a lot yesterday he had a lot yesterday yeah. he did a lot he Had a lot on him. You, you know what you don't do that for school you don't say get up Monday morning and say, hey, Johnny, do you feel like going to school today? So don't do that for church. Don't let other things, and I'm not saying be, you know, don't go on vacation because you've got to be at church every Sunday because we're not making an idol out of church. We are saying that you, that that child still needs your direction and guidance in their walk with Christ.
2: But, Tom, that's what, you, what we've talked about. They're going to watch what you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So if... If you make it a habit of, you know, right, mm-hmm, I don't really feel like going this morning. I think I'm we'll just, just watch the to- live stream.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, my, I would always, I've heard multiple people say, and I could identify with this, is that like right out of the, right out of the womb, I had a drug problem. And my parents were dragging me, church, like they drugged yeah. me to church every time the doors were open yeah. kind of thing. And I, I kind of identify with that because at our house, like, and again, a lot of the times my, my, my dad was on staff at said church, but it was not an option. No,
2: It was not an option. Well, see, and that's the thing. I mean, if, if they see, it, it's setting expectations, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, if you want to go back to how do we help our, our children in these teenage years, if you want to set them up for success, set some expectations for them, okay? Set expectations, Um, there are some children, here's a newsflash, Mm -hmm. that are not going to make all A's, Mm -hmm. okay? And so perhaps their expectation, as a parent, your expectation shouldn't be all A's. Your expectation should be all A's and B's, all right? But don't lower those expectations just because you want them to hit it. Right. You know, make it challenging for them. But be realistic, you know, be realistic in what you expect out of them. And don't, Tom, you said it just a minute ago, don't make them feel like they're a failure if they don't go to med school. All right? Yeah, you know, I used to tell mine all the time, be what you're called to be. If you think what you're called to be is a cotton candy salesman at the circus, then fine. Go be a cotton candy salesman at the circus. But be that because that's what you feel like you're called to be, not mm-hmm. what that's because somebody just told you that's all you could be.
0: And be a cotton candy salesman who lives their lives to the glory of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely, at the forefront of everything. And and this
1: is and we, which we didn't touch on a ton, which is fine. But I and I, I think it's li, live. I guess just going back, it all just goes back to as the parent living that out in each and every stage of making sure that like in your in your in like in the relationship between husband and wife as the parents, like making sure that 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 that. Being the believer that God's called you to be, like putting the glory of God in, in, at the forefront of everything you do as a family, whether that's going to church, the interactions at your house, out at athletics event. Like if you, again, if you, if you act a fool in the stadium and you, you expect your kid to act differently in the classroom, why? Why would you do that if that's how you act? And I think all of it goes back to making sure that as parents, and even just believers in general, as someone who's not a parent, of making sure that if someone whom I love looks at me and says, "You, you say all this, but how you live doesn't match that up. Nothing should be more cutting to us. Well, there probably are some things, but there should not be a lot more as a Christian that says, you profess Christ, but your actions don't show that. I don't know what else...
2: You put that in Gene Little words, my mom. <laughs> is that your actions speak so loud? I can't hear what you say. Yeah. Okay. There you go.
1: Nothing should cut us more you know. than than hearing that. As you say all this, but how right. you act does it back that up? And so, if your if your kid can say that, I really would. We need to check our hearts and check that way the way that we live, the way that we're showing Christ to everyone, but especially the people who who, who sleep in the house with us at night.
2: Uh, so. You know, sometimes teenagers just lose their mind and they're and they're not real and they're not real. <laughs> That's uh, not true. Bright, no. But for the most part, l- let me tell you something. They they're pretty smart at times too. Yeah. They can see through stuff.
0: Oh yeah. And and teenagers' hypocrisy meter is really well tuned. Yeah. yeah, because they're
2: they're looking for that, it. As was say, it's,
0: well, it's that thing we figure out of we're
1: starting to figure out logic and reason. So we start with figuring out that logic and reason. Our sinfulness is more conniving and sneaky, and so we're also knowing okay, this is how I would lie to get out of this. And so this is probably how yeah. they're lying to get out of this. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> but, but to your point, Matt, I mean, don't put this expectation level on your child mm-hmm. that you don't expect to live absolutely.
0: yourself. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't, don't claim, okay, we're going to be excellent if you're not bringing excellence mm-hmm. to the table. All right, so I think that we, we, we've touched on it. I mean, in an hour-long podcast, you can't, you can't go deep into in no. the, in the ocean of raising a teenager. But I hope this has helped, and um, I hope this equips you a little bit better in rearing teenagers. And again, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to, to contact the church and go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.